Welcome to From Idea to Action, Stories from Alabama Innovators, a podcast powered by the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology, a nonprofit organization with a mission to improve the human condition. I'm Carter Wells, and I lead the economic development efforts here at Hudson Alpha. From Idea to Action, Stories from Alabama Innovators is a podcast that highlights the people who are driving Alabama forward. We aim to showcase and connect the deep network of innovators, entrepreneurs, policy leaders, and advocates who are working to make Alabama an even better place. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, you can subscribe wherever you listen. Be sure to follow Hudson Alpha on all social media platforms to stay up to date on what's happening at the Institute, as well as to stay up to date on new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you learned something new about Alabama innovators moving ideas to action. Welcome to another episode of From Idea to Action, Stories from Alabama Innovators. Today I'm joined by Cynthia Crutchfield, CEO of Innovate Alabama, and Bill Poole, Director of the Alabama Department of Finance and a member of the Innovate Alabama Board of Directors. I'm honored to have the Chair of Alabama Innovation Commission and the CEO of Innovate Alabama. Welcome to both of y'all. Thank you. Before we start, we're recording this episode on September 11th. I'd like to acknowledge today and remember those that were lost on this day and over the many years after 9-11. I was living in Washington, D.C. at that time, and it definitely is a day that I will never forget. So, first, I'd like to ask each of y'all to tell us a little bit about yourselves and kind of how you got to this path, what was your path to this current position? So, whoever wants to jump in. (laughs) Okay, I'll start. So I, too, was in the D.C. area on 9-11, and I just recently left the government, oddly, and ended up being a call center of sorts for my friends who were still working in the Pentagon. So definitely is a solemn day, um, but also remembering just, you know, the the losses that we had and just appreciating all the sacrifices that they've made in order for us to be where we are. Right, right. So, um, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, so I was born and raised in the state of Alabama. I started my professional career, actually, undergrad at um, Alabama A&M in Huntsville. I was a computer science major, and then shortly after that, ended up leaving the state, going throughout the country, but all, all of my career was sort of in the federal government space, either as a civil servant or as a contractor supporting um, government organizations. And I would say that in regards to public service, I've always been sort of a public servant person as a civil servant. And then in my uh, private career, been supporting the same missions, just making sure that we have the right technology, right capability um, to support our soldiers, airmen, as they deploy and protect the U.S. Got it. So... I had just moved from Washington, D.C. when 9-11 occurred. I had moved to Tuscaloosa about three weeks prior to attend law school. So it was a solemn day. I likewise had lots of friends calling, calling them check. It was, uh, I remember exactly where I was. I suppose everybody. But I grew up in Waringo County, uh, just south of Tuscaloosa, very rural. I had a great upbringing. My, my father was a lawyer. My mother a teacher. I was the oldest of four. And, and we grew up in the country, enjoyed every minute of it. But I attended the University of Alabama. I was a business major, graduated, worked uh, in on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. for several years, returned to the University of Alabama for law school, uh, opened my law practice in 04 uh, and practiced law until 
2020, uh, at which time I accepted my current position. Uh, I served in the legislature for 11 years uh, prior to accepting the position of finance director for the state of Alabama, and I've served in this capacity for two years and certainly have enjoyed the opportunity to serve our state, including in the past as chairman of the Innovation Commission and now chairman of the Innovate Alabama Board. I think it's one of the more important initiatives uh, that the state is engaged in going forward. So excited. And it's been one of those that I've seen over the years, different um, initiatives that have taken place that have you know, got a lot of backing to start with, but then just can't have legs to them, so to speak. But this one, from the, the announcement, and then, I mean, no end in sight at this point, really is impressive just for the way that it is started and sustained and grown um, as opposed to many great efforts in the past, so, I mean, it, coming out of not necessarily just Montgomery, but just from that uh, from that state collective that we that we've had. But kudos to both y'all for keeping things um, still on the upward trajectory on that front. So on the on the Innovation Commission, um, Director Poole, you were in the legislature at the time of the announcement of the commission, and then the way that I understand it, it was. Governor Ivey and you and, and uh, Senate President Pro Tem Greg Reed were the architects, and then you were the um, the chair, or you were appointed as chair of that um, of the commission. And just from a timing standpoint, this was launched in June of 2020, which was three four months after COVID kind of up, um, upended the world. And you're starting this new initiative and this new push for the state. And whether you can say it was gutsy or great timing or challenging timing, whatever it might be, it's impressive that you're able to stay focused when everything else around the state, and especially the state government, was trying to figure things out. Um, can you give a little background on the, the origin story of the, uh, of the Innovation Commission? Sure. Well, it, it was really the culmination of a lot of discussion that a lot of folks were having on the public policy level, whether that was in Montgomery, whether that was outside of Montgomery, but recognizing you know, the economy is changing. Uh, it always has and it always will, but, but the disruption of so many economic sectors that we know, where is technology going to take us? How fast are those things going to occur? And I think we all recognize it's going to happen faster and faster going forward. So a lot of discussion about what are our assets in Alabama. We know we have a number of them, whether it's our research institutions, the many, many you know, private sector businesses that are engaged in innovation around the state, recognizing those assets and thinking about, okay, what is a state plan? How do we develop a plan that involves all the stakeholders, that is not a Montgomery or a government-oriented plan, but involves all of those stakeholders to develop a set of recommendations, whether those policy recommendations, regulatory, legislative, or otherwise, to place the state on a trajectory to grow and enhance this sector of our economy, which addresses entrepreneurship, innovation, research, so on and so forth. And so, so the culmination of that discussion led to the governor and her, you know, really visionary. If you go back in time and think about where where we were as a state, where we are as a state, the issues we're facing to bring the Innovation Commission together. And, and we spent a lot of time thinking about that to the point you made at the beginning of your comments. How do we do this in a way that leads to action, that is sustainable, uh, that continues in an effort uh, standpoint so right. that we can create something? We've all seen, to your point, the commissions, the committees, the task forces that issue a report, often with a lot of substance, 
a lot of recommendations. Nothing. Right. All well-intentioned, but just doesn't, they don't have the, the back end of the legs to be able to move forward. That's right. So we were very intentional, intentional in the establishment of the makeup of the commission. We wanted private sector stakeholders, not just government folks talking about good ideas. Uh, we wanted folks from all over the state. Diversity in every aspect that we could think of on the commission, whether it's geographic, you name it, we wanted, we wanted right. to have a very diverse stakeholder group. And we were very clear. We wanted to have actionable recommendations and we wanted to categorize those and then temporarily lay those out. So a lot of work, the, the pandemic, like so many things, was a disruptive force. Right? We, we struggled for a lot of having in-person meetings. Uh, but we had a very motivated set of commission members. Uh, and that included an advisory council that included folks from outside of the state. Uh, we also wanted to incorporate, if we want to move into these areas and we want to have a national recognition in this regard, who are the people outside the state that can help not only advise the commission in terms of policy, but can also tell them, tell the world, the country, what we're doing here in Alabama. That included Condoleezza Rice, Jared Weinstein, Chris Moody, Others who are just fantastic leaders who have deep roots to Alabama but live beyond our borders now. And so, so that culminated in, I thought, a very substantive report. Um, you know, we, we put a lot in the report, but we also tried to condense it into what's accomplishable in short-term and right. long-term. And I think that's really guided uh, the success that has been realized today. And when you were able to deliver the recommendations after the governor, you seem to have at least a, a number of people in the legislature that were ready to um, transform those into policy or into to legislative bills to be able to move some of those forward and um, both on the near term and the long term. I think those have been successful. So um, a lot of people are already involved in what goes on and with Innovate Alabama, um, but the, the, there's more and more people, whether that's on the, the SBIR side or some of the network and the community designations and things like that, that um, I, I know more and more people, as they get to know what's going on with Innovate Alabama, will jump in and want to participate. Who are some of the people that you want, not necessarily the individuals, but who would you want more of engaging with Innovate Alabama from a kind of background or an entity standpoint? So I think from our perspective, um, really the entire state and even beyond our borders is really the platform that we're trying to um, engage. I think it's inside of the state. It's certainly outside of the state. In terms of specific stakeholders, universities, nonprofit entities, for-profit companies, um, our citizens, our educators, we include all of those uh, people in our overall community in terms of what who we want to reach and who we want to engage. And that'll continue to grow, specifically some of the things that we're looking at for next year is making sure, that as, as Bill said, we want to make sure that we engage all pockets of the state. So we're focused on next year making sure that we put a little bit more focus on the rural communities, um, doing more to focus on our professors in universities and get them thinking more about commercialization with their research and things of that nature. And of course, uh, as some of the programs that we've rolled out over the last uh, few months, Cyber Sitter is one, or SBIR, SDTR is one of those, um, just engaging would-be entrepreneurs, founders, innovators throughout the state and making sure that they understand 
the potential for growing roots within the state of Alabama, bringing their companies to the state and engaging in that way. So all of those things, I, I think, is our focus as we look to rolling out. In terms of um, some of the programs, I think, and how you engage, certainly uh, through the programs that we're rolling out, I think that's the best way is participation mm -hmm. in those programs. And then taking an opportunity to go to the website, make sure that you register there, um, register for the downloads. But I do think that the best way to engage is really attending the board meetings. They are open to the public. We um, do stream them. So it's not limited. If you're not in whatever location we're having, you can still participate. You can listen in and understand uh, what we're doing, where the program is programming is going. And then, of course, again, register for the download. The monthly download, the newsletter provides, I think, a really good summary of, you know, what, what we're doing, where we're going, what we have done, and, and where we're going to be going. So I think it's a good reference to just say, you know, where, where are we going and how can I get involved? Yep. So I encourage everybody to do that. And as somebody who is uh, tuned in to the board meetings from afar, um, it's not necessarily a board meeting. I mean, you do have your business, but you're also talking about things that are coming up and, and ways to engage. And you do have a, um, at least the one, I might have missed one, I can't remember who, which one I have not seen. But um, usually it's a good group that's hosting. And then you, you have people from around the state that are there in person um, that even if it's a mobile, because I think y'all were in mobile a few months ago, um, but you still see the, the North Alabama crowd there as well. So um, that's a good way to engage and really see who's speaking to these issues that y'all are working on. Um, y'all, everything hasn't been going on very long. And which is, for me, it's impressive that you've got already success stories um, that are coming out of the recommendations that kind of you can back it up of months to just a couple of years to here's where we want to be. Um, what are some of the success stories that y'all would like to highlight um, that you think are going to be the longer lasting programs and ways you want to um, engage people moving forward? Sure. So certainly the um, SBR, STTR program, I think, was really our f foundational program. That's the one that we rolled out first. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it continues to grow in terms of participation and interest. Um, in fact, this fiscal year, we are actually increasing. We've voted on the budget at the last board meeting, so mm -hmm. we're increasing that program by $2 million a year. So total we'll have for that program is around $7 million. Um, and we did that because we do want to make sure that we've got coverage, not only for our companies that are within the state of Alabama, but also those that we're trying to attract to the state of Alabama. Um, so that particular program we've awarded right at $10 million for three rounds. We've had three rounds, just closed out the most recent round in July. And so when you think about the potential of those funds to our ecosystem and how it allows these companies to build on their research, I think there's none better than that particular program. And again, we intend to roll, continue to grow with that program and fund our companies to help them uh, further their mission. Uh, next program is the Recruiting a Talent Attraction and Retention. Uh, we've partnered with EDPA and the Alabama Collective. With the Alabama Collective, we're focused on HBCU engagement, mm -hmm. making sure that we take advantage of the skill sets that we have within our 14 HBCUs within the state. 
Um, the students are very excited about that program. And I say students, the administrators are excited as well because some of the universities, the professors will actually come out and participate um, in the educational processes within those uh, within those visits. So definitely excited about that program. This summer, I was able to participate with FUEL and uh, work with some of the students who are engaged in that program. They're going to be doing internships. They're able to get out throughout the state, not just where their university is located, and really learn about our state and understand what we have to offer. And the idea is that if they understand the opportunities when they get ready to graduate, they'll actually consider the state of Alabama as potential employment for them. Or if they're starting their own company, they can start it here within the state and they understand what's available to support them. I think from the, the Fuel Alabama piece from EDPA, that was something that was, uh, wasn't it the last one that was in the, at the, on the coast? But it was, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the one before that, I guess, but the one that was, um, I guess, in Birmingham was really telling just with some of the panels that y'all had uh, on that because that actually kind of drove my thought process on hiring Abby Rusi, who's here, because she was, a, or I guess, yes, was a STEM and BA uh, graduate at University of Alabama, but it was just this progression of good opportunity from out of state, yes. good opportunity within the undergraduate and graduate programs making sure that they've got um, opportunities in the in the interim uh, excuse me in the uh, for internships and things like that while they're in school and then good communities and good opportunities after they graduate and so um, that was something that I remember just kind of putting notes down as I'm as I as I do but uh, especially in that forum with with fuel I think that's something um, that I think more and more people I hope do see that. And on the EDPA side, I know there are um, great connections between Innovate Alabama and EDPA, but is that just the connections between those two? You've been um, very open for here are the things that are already going on in the state, and how do we leverage those? How do you put more things, um, how do you make the you know one plus one equal three type of thing where people can really maximize their efforts. Um, and I commend you for that because that's something that, especially on large efforts, some people might just want to, I want to stay in my lane or I want to, that's my turf. And I think with this, um, with Innovate Alabama specifically, it's been a lot of barriers that have been dropped. Hopefully they're completely gone, but people seem to reach over and have a handshake when they, when they need to. And I'm mm -hmm. glad to see that. Um, you talk about the, um, the rural focus for next year, and this really did either one from the state or Innovate Alabama. I think that's something that um, as we've talked to people around the state and then just some of the things that we're doing just from a Hudson Alpha standpoint, to see that rural economy grow um, and not just on the, the I-65 and the 2059 corridors. Um, what, what else then could I, I can either from an Innovate Alabama or from a, from a state standpoint other focus areas on that? And I know there are a few. Well, I think when you talk about rural Alabama, we want to make sure that there's opportunity right in rural Alabama. And clearly that's part of the objective. That the state is preparing to spend approximately $2 billion on broadband mm -hmm. across the state. So really that investment dovetails with a lot of other policy objectives the state has. And it certainly dovetails sure. really within Innovate Alabama. So, you know, we, we know we have vibrant ecosystems around our institutions of higher ed, 
in Huntsville and Birmingham and Mobile and Montgomery, but we've also got to make sure we're spoking those off and creating opportunity in rural Alabama. And and what you find as you move around the state is, is, is there is innovation in right. communities. It's different. It looks different than some of the kind of strengths of some of those urban areas, but there is opportunity. And how do we leverage that? How do we network that? I think we'll talk about that before our discussion's over. Mm -hmm. Creating that network so that everybody in the different parts of the states can collaborate, can identify strengths, barriers, weaknesses, uh, and overcome those. So I, I think rural Alabama is a critical part of this effort as it matures. Okay. And I think from our perspective, um, we started out thinking we do some entrepreneurship workshops, but it didn't take very long to figure out that that was probably not the best place to start. So we sort of regrouped and we're looking at um, Outdoor Rec, I think, gives us a really strong opportunity yeah. to start engaging those rural spaces just based on the assets that they have within close proximity. So we're looking at some programs, I think, that would amplify our ability to support those communities. Um, there is another program that I think we'll talk about briefly, perhaps, um, that's not been officially announced, but I think that will also give us some capital for those locations as well to help build some capability there that may not be focused on technology or innovation, at least not directly, but maybe indirectly support our ecosystem. Um, so definitely focused on doing that. And then the other place I think, which is a good place for us to start, is engaging the K-12 through community. So we recently um, partnered with Quant Hub to bring a capability where we can teach those students data science, uh, data analytics in place so they can actually do internships from their rural spaces without having to leave their locale. Um, the idea is to build some capability so that hopefully they want to remain in their um, rural cities, rural, sure. rural communities. Um, after graduation. And I feel like if we do that, that sort of a spark or jump off point where that we can start building, got to have that broadband capability first. So, and so that that is critical to our ability to move those programs out. And I'm glad you said it like that because the state's got such a great role to play and you're going to be able to really move that forward just from the, from the funding standpoint. And then Within the Department of Commerce, you've got the the rural focus of some of the recruitment side, dovetailing with this. I mean, that's that's you're at least putting the you're you're building that um, likelihood for success just because you've got the resources and the prioritization and the focus part of this. The um, when I first heard about the the outdoor focus for Innovate Alabama, I did scratch my head to start with, but then as soon as I was joined in on one of the um one of the board meetings and then realized that one of my coworkers, Daryl Ezel, was gonna be on it. I talked to him a little bit more and I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It's it's I mean, yes, you're using the, the um you're really maximizing the the beauty of the state mm -hmm. and the individual areas of the state, but it's such a great recruitment tool and a retention tool. Um I think that's something that I sure didn't see it just by looking at it on paper. I needed to hear, oh, this is what where they're going with that. And so um, as that kind of came out early, it's like, hmm, that's really a, an interesting twist to this. I wasn't expecting that. So. <laughs> well, the development of that discussion really surprised me. Is, right, we formed the Innovation Commission, began our stakeholder meetings, and it came up in every single meet. There was a common theme. It was crystal clear. I don't think, I, I certainly did not anticipate outdoor recreation emerging as one of the key, key pillars 
of the effort, but it did. And, and I think as a consequence of that, we developed a pretty substantive <laughs> policy recommendations. Right. I think you can see Innovate Alabama in collaboration with the Department of Conservation and right. Resources and other stakeholders from around the state move forward with some some really exciting opportunities. And, and here again, uh, we, we developed a program that would allow stakeholders to bring the ideas forward. Well, I think if you go to, I'll say, 95% of the chambers of commerce around the state, they're going to say something about their outdoor Absolutely. resources. And again, I had to kind of reel this back for, for me to put it all together, but that is a component that everybody in this, most everybody in the state um, would like to use. And now you're putting that overarching um, focus and, hey, this is something that everybody should be. And then to be able to and I think supplement you, things. I think when you think about it, business owners, founders, innovators, at some point they will eventually leave the fun that they're having in terms of the work environment and they want the same sure. exciting experience outside of the business um, the business ex arena. So once they're done, they can go out, enjoy all our assets, they can build their families, they can see Alabama as more than just a place to build a business. Right. So I think when you think about it from that perspective, it definitely ties together very well. Yeah. And as I kind of boil down what economic development is for certain people, I mean, as I'm talking about it, it's basically how do you put, how do you provide opportunities for people that are growing up in your community and give them opportunity to stay and then for those that are gone how do you put those opportunities back or into your community which gives them an opportunity or gives them a reason to come back and it's not going to be just the job i mean that's where i won't go too far away from the regular economic development talking points with a good job will get you there but we in the state whether that's mountains coast or or inland waterways or inland um the streams and the rivers around this state are just fantastic from that standpoint, as well as all the, the recreation side as well. So, all right, I digress a little bit, but that's all part of what we are, uh, I think, trying to do for the state. So as I'm talking a little bit about the communities side of things and how y'all are engaging the communities, um, in September, you also have um, had a deadline for some of the uh, innovative communities and innovative entity designation um, that's something that I had not seen before, um, in past, you know, um, roadmaps or strategic plans. Surprise. And I no, love the surprise. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of how, what the genesis was for that as well. So we think on the outset, we sort of, um, struggled with understanding the expectations of the commission in laying that specific, um, area out. But it, once we started to really, uh, noodle it, it, really did make a lot of sense. And so the idea, as we talked about earlier, was just to get everyone in the ecosystem talking about innovation, um, talking about the things that they're doing. Sometimes it may not feel like innovation when, as we talked about earlier, when you're just doing your day-to-day -day and you're solving your own problems, trying to get things done. But it turns out those are really innovative things that we want to capture, document, and then share across the state. So with the network designation program, um, we've set aside a $6 million annual budget for the program. The first part of it is really the designation piece where you come in and say, 
have some basic capability within my organization. You provide us that list. We actually capture those as in an asset map so that as people are looking to come to the state. I thought that was an interesting crowdsource way to build that to asset build map. build it. That's I mean, exactly It's part of the application doing. process. I, I thought that was well Absolutely. done. So. Absolutely. And so up front, you'll get up to $250,000 just for being a part of the network. And then what that opens you up to is the ability to be able to, to submit sort of in a competitive way, but larger projects that you can complete within your organization. And so we're really excited about that. As of Friday afternoon, we had um, 50, right around 50 applicants. And of course, that was the cutoff, but we already have three applications for the next round, which starts sure. on the 9th of September. Okay. So because we are doing rolling um, applications for that particular program, but it really is designed to just get people talking about innovation and some of the projects that we're doing. I know that there is one community college that was coming in with um, an EV project because there really isn't a lot of support for uh, EV vehicles, but yet we're telling everybody you need to start buying these things. And so they're coming in to say, we'd like to establish a program where we can start training our students to be able to service these these vehicles. Maybe they were thinking about that before, but we certainly didn't know about it. And so we're excited about the things that uh, organizations are saying, hey, we have a project that we'd like to work on here. So very exciting. And the, you're able to really get the the people around the state offering and sharing where they see gaps yeah. and where they see the problems that you might, I mean, everybody can't know everything. And again, kind of the crowdsource just from the applications alone are going to be helpful just to, well, we might not fund that, but here's another challenge that we're going to be, that we need to face, or how do we put these two organizations together? Because they're talking about the same thing. I think that's going to be helpful moving forward. So, um, what's coming next? You, you teased this a minute ago and I, I've, didn't know if you wanted me just to pass by and when you said, oh, we're not, it's not announced yet, but however you want to do this, we're not going to, it's not going to, this is not going to um, uh, broadcast for the next few weeks. So you're, you're, so you're pretty, in, you're in good, pretty in good shape here. So I knew that it would come up. It always does. Um, I'm not going to spell out the acronym. I'm just going to say SSBCI. Okay. And I think right. that everyone needs to just go Google that and the details of the program will come up. Um, but we are in the very, very late stages of that program in terms of receiving our $97.9 million mm -hmm. for our ecosystem. Um, those funds will go a long way, I think, in terms of providing the much-needed capital assets that our innovators and business owners need. From the um, research from Condoleezza Rice's team, one of the things that they talked about was, the big, as they spoke to entrepreneurs across the state, that was the singular issue that came up in every conversation. And so logical that we would start in that place. One of their recommendations was that the state go out and acquire the SSBCI funds for the right. state. We have done that and uh, we're, we're getting ready to roll that program out. We're going to have two sides to that program. Um, a debt portion where you can take a low interest loan if that's your choice if you're not willing to give up equity. But most exciting, I think, for the state is the venture capital side where you actually have those investments that you can make. Um, that's pretty new for Alabama. We've been doing it, but probably not at the scale that we'll be able to with SSBCI. So we're putting $25 million into that particular program. So we're very excited about that. And I, the small part that I'm aware of with that, that is going to be a 
not just a shot in the arm from a from a capital standpoint, but a again a, a different way of doing things mm-hmm. here, and uh, introduce a significant amount of uh, venture capital. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's fantastic angel networks and and angel investors around the state, and there are absolutely some of the venture capital side, but having this where it's focused and um, whether it's, I'm assuming from the diligence side and whoever's going to be on that investment committee, mm-hmm. that's going to be, a, a, I would imagine, a very disciplined process and a deliberative process about how you want to distribute that. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I think you're, it's going to be always, it's always hard to place bets. I imagine from the state standpoint, this is a good opportunity to, let's have um, a different group to be able to do that just so you don't, you don't have to deal with a lot of the political wins. And I've seen that, you know, this work in other places, not specific to SSBCI, mm-hmm. but in North Carolina and some others that are, that are using an, an intermediary to be able to place those bets. Um, so I'm, I, I know I'm definitely not alone in the people that are excited of whatever that's going to look like, but to be able to deploy those kind of dollars for, um, first-time innovators, first-time entrepreneurs, as well as maybe some folks that are ready to scale. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really exciting for the state. Go ahead. Well, and I think as you think about SSBCI, it does aim directly at that access to capital. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, uh, here again, one of the critical themes as the Innovation Commission worked and as that Innovate Alabama Award was formed and established for artists. And it will be an early step in that direction, but there will still be a lot that we need to do in the state as it relates to access to capital. And, and we recognize that, that SSBCI is a fantastic beginning, SBRSTTR, um, but, but, but this will not stop the programming effort as it relates to access sure. to capital. But it's going to, we talked about kind of that, um, the people that are coming in, I think you, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head what it was, but it's the, it's going to be here in the state of Alabama, but you're also bringing people in. Um, outside from outside and that's investors as well as founders trying to get founders to move but trying to get investors to invest in the state in the companies that are located in the state and i think to cynthia's point it's an important there's an important strand in there which is getting new investors right yeah yes that are bringing capital into our state and and that's that's goal of a lot of people but this i mean good money is going to follow good money and people in a lot of the investment communities, they don't want to miss out on a good, on a good bet. And if you are, whether it's with the SS, with the uh, SBR, STTR, that's already vetted from a, one group from the mm-hmm. federal government, whichever, whichever agency it is, you're putting good money onto previously vetted projects, and then hopefully the same type of concept of it is getting the really close scrub of is this good technology, if it's good management teams, and all those things, and now. It's gonna. How do you get those other series or the, those other um, dollars from outside the state? And so that's it, there is a. Um, it's great to know that there is a plan in place, but there's also the means to be able to make some of this happen, which is something that a lot of people had plans before. But again, and it's not just dollars. It's the it's the people together. Our ecosystem. Right. Sure. Sure. So let me shift back to the. Um, to the state standpoint with, you know, capital S state of Alabama real quick. Um, you've got, um, governor Ivy that's got a outstanding economic record from employment rate being the lowest in history to, I'm not sure exactly what the number is on capital investment, but it's, um, well into the B billions of dollars and then the tens of thousands of new jobs. Um, one thing that 
um, was announced last month, or excuse me, in August. I'm not sure exactly when this is going to run. So let me say in August was the uh, the bioscience training program that be um, with uh, AIDT and and um, the Alabama Industrial Development Training and Bio Alabama. That's going to be incredibly helpful for the folks that are in that bioscience, biotech, life science areas where we're able to really add to the workforce. And again, coupled with things that are going on from Innovate Alabama, where we're putting dollars into entrepreneurs. I mean, you've got to be able to build that workforce. And so that's going to be a fantastic piece to this as well. Um, and then the governor prioritized the recruitment-based economic development with Secretary Canfield, um, and then with the things that are going on on the innovation and entrepreneur-based economic development. Um, there's just lots of things that are going on on this front. Um, passed the game plan from the economic development incentive um, and recruitment side, but it also had a lot of things that were going on on the innovation side as well. So uh, that's a lot of lead in for what's next. What's kind of, you know, the, the bad thing is you're doing good things and so everybody wants more of good things. So Director Fool, what do you, what, what's coming down the pike? about what's next. Mm -hmm. And we've spent a lot of time, uh, the governor, to her credit, has consistently demonstrated a vision, a vision for the future. Not not just to here and now, what is the problem today, but where do we need to be down the road? And you've heard her saying, we've talked about a lot, what is our 2030 strategy? And, you know, we don't need a 2030 strategy when the when midnight tolls and it's January 1, 2030. Sure. <laughs> and uh, we're working hard in that regard, and I think this is a manifestation of a lot of those efforts. But I think you're going to continue to see investment success by through growing Alabama, uh, by and through uh, the game plan, uh -huh. through Secretary Kenfield and the phenomenal success we've had on the business and industrial manufacturing recruitment on that side and targeting the kinds of businesses in those areas that can lead to future economic success. I think you're going to continue to see additional programming stand up through Innovate Alabama. Uh, we're going to continue to evolve those based upon stakeholder feedback uh, what is sustainable, what is actionable, what develops and generates the best return for Alabama. So I think re really the sky's the limit right now. And we have so many stakeholders involved. And I, mm -hmm. again, I've said that a few times, but I think that's the most critical thing. If, if, if we're sitting around telling everybody what they should do, yes. that that's foolish. Uh, if we have stakeholders involved that are informing, guiding decisions, that's what we want. And And so I think as we're here today, we have, as Cynthia mentioned, we have additional programming that will soon come forward, whether it's SSBCI. We'll see the network develop. And I think from Innovate Alabama standpoint, that's going to inform a lot of the, what is next. But what we do want to do is make sure everything we stand up at this time is sustainable, generates a measurable ROI. We can track the data, and it leads to greater success down the line. Because ultimately, you've got to stand up in front of the legislature and say, this is what we're doing with these dollars. And I, I do think you're going to have a um, a great story to tell. I think you have a great story to tell now. But once budget times come along, um, that's going to be a, a, a you're going to have a lot of people from around the state that can. It's one thing to stand up and go through the budget hearings and things like that. But then it's also here are the four or five people that I just you know I could got I could have had a dozen here. But these are some of the people that are that that this whatever the specific pot of money is, this is where it's helping. Um, but having the stakeholder engagement and really learning things from those applications, that's going to be a, a good way to map things moving forward. Mm -hmm. and, and I think in that regard, what makes Innovate Alabama different is our board is made up of 
private sector and public right. stakeholders. And so you, you rarely see that. This is fairly unique in Alabama. Uh -huh. And so we really want those private sector inputs and stakeholders and board members to guide in a Bay Hall about. Uh, and I think that's going to be important to sustainability of success. So, how do you balance and juggle the couple of different budgets that are in the billions of dollars? And I imagine this is the fun part of the job, but the other part that is the challenge of, you know, you've got 5 million people here in the state and you probably have 6 million opinions that as you're coming in, become uh, as it starts budget season. But um, how are you able to juggle that and really put the focus into this innovation piece? I know the governor's driving it. And I mean, that's, we've seen this from her over the number of years now. Um, is this something for, that's sustainable for you to, to keep juggling this and balancing this? Well, that's a good question. Oh, yeah. But but it is a priority for the governor, and it's a priority for me. And you know, if you look back, we've talked about a little bit beginning of this effort to where it has come. Mm -hmm. We have been successful, and I think we have created a framework of an organization that can be sustainable. And that's not easy to do for the reasons right. I've been mentioned in this podcast sustainability of vision, staffing, your purpose, right. so on and so forth, and not losing losing perspective of what is your vision. Okay. What are we trying to do? I mean, I think you'd be very easy to be distracted by other, you know, maybe we should do this too, or maybe we should bolt that on. I think we right. be very focused on why does Innovate Alabama exist? What are our goals and how we're going to accomplish those? Now, malicing those with other obligations, whether it's budgets or other aspects, uh, can be a challenge at times, but if you really step back and think about this, and you think about the totality of the state's investments, a lot of different areas, you really want those to try to dovetail it fit. Sure. You want to have consistency of effort. You want to have consistency of vision. Now, now, do a lot of the things in the state's budgets tie into Innovate Alabama? No, but at the end of the day, the same business and analysis principles apply. How do we create opportunity for the citizens of our state? How do we utilize taxpayer dollars effectively, efficiently, and with greatest return on investment? So whether we're talking about broadband or education or infrastructure or economic development, whether that de economic development strategy relates to industrial manufacturing or small entrepreneurial, we need all of those. Yep. We need every aspect of that woven together. And I think that's the exciting part of being and being able to see it. Got it. So as we're closing, um, I've got two questions that we ask everybody who comes on this. And so I'll uh, ask you all about, and it's kind of, I'm not sure if this is, there is even somebody that you have not been able to touch uh, from this, but this podcast is all about connecting people. Um, most likely everybody's reached out to y'all to start with, because I think that's, y'all are in positions that um, your phone does not stop ringing or the email, uh, the inbox continues to fill. But are there people, are there areas around the state that you want to connect with more? I know you're connected across the, across the board anyway. Are there others? I think for Innovate Alabama, I would say definitely. We talked about the rural spaces um, mm -hmm. layer. I think that's definitely a, a primary focus for us in making sure that we reach all of the pockets across the state. But I'd also like to see not just from a board perspective, but those larger for-profit companies, I'd like to really see them get involved and engaged in our network and some of the innovation things that we're doing within the state. Because when you look across the state, I think those organizations 
they they should be real participants. I mean, they are large employers. Mm-hmm. They're bringing a lot of revenue to the state, and so I think those organizations creating a value proposition for those organizations is is front of mind for us for for years to come. Got it. I agree with Cynthia, and, and I think I would frame on, on the industry side, those industry clusters, mm-hmm. and, and Cynthia touched on that, but we have different industry clusters around the state. How do we really harness that? It's great to talk about innovation within the context of those different component parts, but how do you identify those and leverage those opportunities from an innovation and entrepreneurial standpoint? But I think also reaching communities. Now, communities can mean a lot of different things with their context of these remarks, they can look different. They can be urban, rural. There are different communities inside of our urban centers. But reaching those communities that may not always be squarely at the table when we're talking about recruiting a 400-job manufacturing entity or we're talking about some other aspect of our economic development strategy. What are those communities that clearly involve the small businesses, entrepreneurship? How do we retain the talent and recruit talent mm-hmm. into those communities? Talent recruitment, talent retention is going to be the name of the game and the future economy. I think we all know that. We've had up our game in Alabama as it relates to that. We have to grow our population and we want to grow it with talent. Uh, But how do we bring all of those different and disparate communities into the discussion, buying through the network or otherwise, so that we know what their needs are and they can inform the state buying through Innovate Alabama? How do you leverage opportunity in those communities? So, so I think that broader nebulous community definition is very critical. Just the, the openness of what y'all have been doing specific to, the, to Innovate Alabama with the board meetings online and, and the application processes that are, you're mapping those, um, those assets around the, around the state. I think that's going to be a way that if people might not feel that they're included, they need to take a step forward it can't just be all received information because it's pretty transparent i mean much more than a lot of um a lot of um efforts around the state around the country for that matter so all right last question um what's the headline you'd like to see in three years so we have to i have to be a little bit i i'm not i'm going to describe something i'm not going to give you a headline all right um, so I'm going to go back to SSBCI and the good that those funds, remember that the goal is to return 10x of, of the investment. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, um, the magnitude of something like that, um, I know that we have at least two entrepreneurs who within their spaces are looking to move the needle, um, one specifically on um, chip development in terms of being able to replace the current digital chips that we're using in our technology across not just the country. When you think about the sourcing of those, those are being sourced outside of the country. We actually bring it back to the United States. Mm -hmm. It would be wonderful if the state of Alabama um, is that location that we return those things to. Um, So I think that is definitely a significant one. And then what I think, if you think about some of the medical community, um, we have an entrepreneur who is looking at how to improve operations tools sit to more effectively create do operations um, within the operating room, phenomenal things that are going on within the state. So I'd like to see um, sort of amplification of those type of initiatives within the state of Alabama. 
broadcast to not just Alabama, but across say, the country and beyond. With those two specifically, those are not Alabama-specific. Those are global. Very global, so. yes. Well, I would agree with Cynthia, and I think to the extent the headline leads to a story that talks about that Alabama has diversified and strengthened its economy from a technology research innovation standpoint, that we have improved and enhanced our talent based in the state of Alabama, and that we have created more opportunity for more Alabamians across the board. I think if we can accomplish those, and that's the headline in the article, and that that is being recognized across the country, then we've been successful. Very, very good. Well, thank you all for both. Thank you both for being here um, or for allowing me to, to come in uh, here in Tuscaloosa today. Um, thanks to Abby Rusi from Hudson Alpha and Clark Dunn from Beyond Rockets for making this podcast happen. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a good review and tell others about the podcast. I hope you'll download our next episode and hear from more Alabama innovators. Again, thank you all very much for doing this. Thank you for having us. This podcast is powered by the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology, a 501c3 nonprofit organization working to improve the human condition through genomics research, bioscience education for students of all ages, and creating economic opportunities for entrepreneurs and innovators. This podcast is intended to highlight innovators across Alabama who are moving ideas to action, and in doing so, making our state an even better place to discover, innovate, start a business, and raise a family. Thanks so much for listening to From Idea to Action, stories from Alabama innovators.